What's happening guys? We just finished shooting episode 13. I don't know why I say shooting every time we recorded episode 13. And uh, this one was this one was interesting. This was shrouded in some mystery and I feel like the more we talked about it, the less answers I got. I don't know. What's your take on it? Uh, I mean, we told the story. We uh, did tell the story. And we, we gave no answers. That is correct. Yep, we, we told <laughs> we the story. The if you want to, you want to see, if you want to save yourself some time, skip this episode, because uh, we we basically told a story and gave no answers. So, uh, yeah. get it. you can probably get <laughs> as, uh, more answers if you look it up yourself. Yeah, uh, no, it's you're gonna want to take some time, look up the Michigan Triangle, just get a picture mentally in your head, and then uh, Stephen Kubake is who we're gonna be talking about in this episode. And I'm extremely excited to say, guys, episode 14, our next episode, we're going to have Harley, and I almost said Quinn, but that's not right. Uh, Harley <laughs> Ellenwood. Hey, we probably shouldn't be doxing people. Oh, I think she's okay with it, but if not, we can mute that part. You'll just put a beep and you'll blur my mouth and everything because you got this. I actually think my mouth was hid behind the mic. Anyways. We're going to be talking about one of the probably most infamous and brutal serial killers of all time. Uh, she will be sharing his story. Uh, do you know who we're going to be talking about, Micah? I am not aware. Jack the Ripper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You brought that up, yeah. Yeah. So Just if you're interested in serial killers at all, and you want to hear any more crazy hypothesis about uh, Jack the Ripper and bring nonsense to any normal topic, join us for episode 14 and... Uh, should be a good time. We'll see what happens. <laughs> and once again, guys, as always, follow our Facebook page. Um, we'll be doing a Facebook Live here in a day or two. And um, subscribe to our Twitter at Band of Bearded Bros, I think. It's something like that. It'll be in it's the something. description. I don't know. It's the description. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Since we might actually, this might be on YouTube, I guess subscribe if you want. Yeah. Hit that. Hit that, hit, the, hit that subscribe button, that like button. The Let what us know button? what you think. Uh, the what? The like, like button. Oh, I thought you said the black button. And I was like, bro, what? No. You made it weird. <laughs> the like button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys want to be our sub. Get on there and click that button. So, uh, well, that got weird. All right. Yeah. I think we should just uh, start the episode, guys. Yeah. And uh, enjoy <laughs> episode 13. <laughs> Take it easy. Right, thirteen, oh, baby, unlucky thirteen. Unlucky. It's gonna be. Uh, I thought. Well, I, I mean, thought thirteen was lucky. Mm, no. Wait, did I have this backwards? I'm pretty sure thirteen is an unlucky number, considered an unlucky number. Uh, you can look it up, I guess. Yeah. By the way, guys, um, as we mentioned in the intro, we're gonna be talking about Stephen. Uh, his last name's a little interesting. It's like Kubaki. And I just have a lot of jokes I want to make about that, but I'm not going to. I'm going to try and stay on point tonight about what we discuss. And also, if you haven't noticed... Oh, did you, did yeah, you find out? it's unlucky. Yeah, that's what I'm pretty <laughs> sure. 
And considering all the things that have happened leading up to tonight's episode, I'm going to say that 13 your, is an unlucky number. Your camera's number. bumping around a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's going to be so... First of all, guys, if you're actually watching us on YouTube, or that's about the only place to probably be watching us, right? Unless they're like... Probably, yeah. FBI tapped We'll probably in get and, knocked off of YouTube real quick, though. Real quick. Real quick. Okay. I think... Uh, like accepted, denied, or they'll re- like they're gonna watch one video and then that first be- video, bam. Well, we'll see what happens tonight. If this is gonna be like the first one, because we're at, just an update, guys. I don't. We're thinking we may not have been able to get the footage up from the previous episode. Not sure. Possibly. Do you know? Maybe. Uh, maybe I, not. I, I don't know. The file is massive, and that's what she said. The way, <laughs> the way that I was trying to. Uh, what I was using to render it was not working, so um, I'm going to try a little bit more, and we'll see gotcha. if we can get it, but that video, I'm pretty sure, was probably pretty choppy anyway, um, uh, but we'll we'll see. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, I, I don't know, um, but well, uh, I'll, I'll try I'll try to get it done. Yeah, either no way, if you're, here, if you're here watching us tonight, good for you. It's a little weird, but good for you. It's kind of weird that we put it out there like we're going to get cameras and we're going to record ourselves and then now thinking about the fact that people are watching us is kind of weird, but it is what it is. I just can't sit here nude anymore. You like to... A little sad. <laughs> you like to <laughs> think that people are watching look, us. Look at my shirt. The, yeah, the hide-and-seek uh, world champ. World oh, champion, yeah. son. I, I dare you to find Mine's, someone who's uh, done better. Aromatherapy. Whoa! Well, banned oh, yeah. right there. That was the moment that they banned us. From we don't have one flag. We got we got two flags. Oh man! And this is where I this is where I love a lot of my, a lot of my shirts from. My oh. beautiful wife has bought me a whole bunch of shirts. flexing the guns. Two oh, types yeah. of guns out there. Nice moves. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah. So uh, all right. So digging into tonight's episode, <clears throat> we're going to be talking about. The Disappearance of Stephen Kubaki. I think I'm saying his name right. I might be saying it wrong. Did you get a chance to review this at all? too much like Bukaki I know. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one that went. Because every time I heard somebody talk about him, I was like... And then I looked him up, and I'm pretty sure he... And I could be really wrong about this. I'm going to sound... Whoa, that was weird. That, uh, what was weird? I don't know. I just broke up for a second. But anyways, I, I, I'm pretty sure he's Asian. Because, like, in the picture, he looked kind of Asian. I mean, unless he's German. I don't know. But the, the Kabaki and then that. It just, anyways. Um, whoa. Do you hear that? Or is that just, you know what? I might be I might be bumping my own. Uh, that's what it is. Headset? Yeah. It's going. Yeah, nothing's. This, ter- nothing's this terrible jack that me. I have. Okay. All right. That was all me. I'm sorry, guys. Though, you got We're professionals. Don't you worry. I'm telling you. Janky. Yeah. Uh, anyway, is hiding all the janky bullcrap for real. In this we, basement. Uh, yeah, behind me is uh, well, that's that's like where Marilyn Manson, not Marilyn Manson. Um, <laughs> what's his name that killed people? <laughs> Charles Manson. Didn't he use other people to kill people or something uh, like that? And, I think Charles Manson was uh, yeah, where he like he uh, didn't actually kill anybody. He didn't actually yeah, like, tell anybody like to Manson kill anybody. Fan. But you know, my wife was telling me about that today. Anyways. We're going to focus here, Micah. We need to focus. So, the disappearance of Stephen Kabaki. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to also talk about a little bit of the Michigan history again. I'm going to be honest. Every time I dug just a little bit farther into this story, it was like 
a whole nother story could uh, we could literally do an episode on each little event that I'm gonna mention through tonight's episode. It is that much. It's crazy. And um basically getting started with it, if you want, I'm gonna pull up here just a couple facts so that we again, like I said, we always like to share stuff that even though it may be fringe, right? Obviously I like talking about aliens, time travel, portals, all kinds of weird stuff. Try to get as much uh, factual information as possible, and there's ton of information about this guy, but at the same time, no information. There's like a, a ton of repeat information on the story I'm going to share. Excuse me, I tried to get a newspaper clipping and uh, another article that I found to be the most relevant, and from others that I heard share the story, it seemed to be the common running theme. But just like last episode, when we were sharing the... Uh, the Murray Island incident, you had different scenarios where it went this way, went that way, and it's kind of hard to say for sure what happened. But, uh, Mike, do you know uh, where Hope College is? I don't know if you know or heard of this place before. No, I feel like, I, I feel like I've heard of it. <clears throat> no, I don't. All right. Well, I'm going to give a little bit of background here. So at any time, interject, please. I don't want to just me be reading to these guys here. but So basically, Stephen Kabaki was a student at Hope College. A small, a small private Christian university near the southern shore of Lake Michigan. When he vanished in February 1978, he had gone off for a solo cross-country skiing trip, meant only to be gone for a day, maybe two, but when he didn't return, he left a 200-yard trail of footprints in the snow leading past uh, the edge of the lake. The one-way path ended abruptly, leading investigators to conclude in the absence of any other clues that Kabaki drowned somewhere under the thick layer of unbroken ice. Now, right there, I kind of like... It's Bigfoot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bigfoot took him. Uh, so, yeah, giving a little bit of backstory on this, he, he, he did, and this is where I'm going to, that's the basic printing, but I'm going to give you some of the information I heard. So, yeah, his roommate know he was going or heard that he was going out, and uh, as I mentioned, for this little cross ski country thing which i guess is a big deal up there i've never tried it myself and uh supposedly it was his family i think was supposed to be meeting up with him after that and when he didn't report back in or didn't meet up with him that's in the the uh report oh, actually it says right here how he was first reported missing depends on who is telling the story going with a local news report from february 21st 1978 snowmobilers in sagatok sagatok I feel like I murdered that word. Spotted cross-country skis abandoned with a backpack. And oh, and con uh, they contacted the authorities, who immediately launched an air and land search. The investigators knew right away they were looking... Mm, the investigators knew right away who they were looking for. Oh, so in this, I know you can't see, but there's an actual, like, in the newspaper, they had the helicopters out there. Uh, the clipping said, you know, like, Shows some guys getting on there. It says state police officers are showing as they entered a helicopter Monday at Holland to take part in a search for missing Hope College student Stephen. It is feared 23-year-old Stephen Kubaki may have fallen through the Lake Michigan service of ice over the weekend. So, not good. I mean, he might be alive. If he's fallen through the ice, there's a chance, right? It says Kubaki was, a 20, uh, was 23 at the time. Either a German or history major set to graduate th that spring, the year before he vanished, uh, Kubaki co-wrote an op an op-ed. I'm not sure what that is. An op-ed. Opinion piece. Didn't go to school. 
<laughs> using them big four-letter words on me up in here, op-ed. Um, <laughs> God's sake. Okay. So an op-ed for the campus newspaper about the inadequate collection of books in, universe, in the university library, arguing that the school should install electronic security systems to safeguard against theft. I don't know really what that's all about. Uh, had heard about him and his disappearance told me. Oh, so somebody heard about his disappearance. They described him as a brilliant and a little more free-spirited than the average student at the conservative school, which explained why he lived off campus. Uh, one guy referred to him as, and this was the newspapers were asking people to interview him because they're, you know, thinking he's, you know, has passed away here, wandered off into the ice or whatever may have happened. But they referred to him as Big Dungeons and Dragon Guy. <laughs> so apparently he was in a D&D. Kabaki was also known to be an enthusiast outdoorsman who had previously climbed mountains while studying abroad in Europe. Nice. He'd been cross-country skiing in the same area bordering Lake Michigan before. The trip that weekend wasn't particularly unusual, but the rest of the story is. Alright, so I'm going to stop it there before I go all the way. I, 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 I guess before we finish this out... I see, I should have talked to you about this before we get started. You can see how prepared we are. I'm going to stop the story there <laughs> before I finish out with him. So let's recap, and then I want to go into Lake Michigan here a little bit. Um, so we have this college student, obviously an outdoorsman, climbing mountains in Europe, and a uh, little too out there for the Christian college, apparently, because he, I don't know. Hey, I don't know like why they D &D. say D&D. Yeah, D&D, free spirits. Um, so, yeah, he's he's... Sounds like a capable guy, though. If he's climbed mountains and he's been across, you know, skiing stuff before, it doesn't sound like he's someone who's just going to wander out there and then disappear. But at this point in time, that's what's happened. And, uh, oh, actually, you know what? There's a little more to the story that I should share before we get into this. Um, right here. So, this is important. Hang on. So, where they... Uh, I don't know where it went. Super Disagree with me. I know, right? Well, I'll just tell you. I have it basically from memory. I'll, I'll just tell you what happened. So, like they said, they initially, the guys in the snowmobiles find this thing. When that's where it's murky. It sounds like his family might have called and reported it with a mixture of these guys finding these just skis being empty. So, upon the search, they called out a pretty big group. They had the helicopters. They had the police department. And... They obviously, like they said, the one-way track. So anybody who's cross-country skied, they, you know, you got your skis, and then you got your poles. I don't know what that ski poles, I guess. And they could see the path goes one way, and it said that he abruptly stopped about 50, 50 to 75 yards away from the shore of the lake. And for whatever reason, right there, they said he you could see in the tracks that he climbed out of his skis. So he climbs out of his skis, stuck his poles in the ground, turns, walks out to the lake, they said there was a single set of footprints going one way, walks out to the lake, gets roughly to the edge, and they say maybe some, and this is where it varies again, some say barely on, some say 50 to 100 yards out, but he walks out on this ice, and then that's where the footprints end. There's nothing. And there, it, like his backpack, none of the stuff that he had taken with him, I guess, there's, there's, there's nothing, but they also said that the, the ice was not disturbed. So even though, like they said in the report, where they, they feel that he had perhaps falling through the undisturbed, unbroken ice. I don't know how that was a great explanation for them to give, but this is the situation, and 
they're combing the area for anything else. Did he backtrack somehow? Like maybe he's trying to play a prank or whatever's going on. They don't find anything. Now here's where it gets a little weird. The first weird thing that happens is that as they're circling back at the end of the day to like wrap up and, and see, you know, collect all the evidence and kind of talk, see what's going on. All of a sudden they notice his backpack sitting by his skis and poles which everybody had been seen because it was the first thing that was spotted and his backpack was not there. This was reported by multiple people, even in the police report, saying that we had combed this area at least a half a dozen times. There was no backpack. At the end of the day, as we were wrapping up, now his backpack was just sitting by his skis. So that was kind of the first anomaly of like, what the French toast is going on here. So worth noting, and uh, now we're going to get into the uh let me hold this right here we're gonna get into lake michigan so where exactly did he disappear there's a place out here i had never heard of this thing in my life and there is a lot of mystery and questions uh that surround this area obviously you've heard of the bermuda triangle before correct yeah what do you know about the bermuda Bermuda triangle um i believe it's like um some type of it's like the equator or something and, and basically it's the a, a mythical like the world just falls off there kind of thing Meh. well i mean it doesn't fall off it's just the it stretches from the what is it from like the is it the bahamas to one part of florida and i can't remember the other part but it makes it makes a triangle it's it's the bermuda triangle and you've had people disappear into this thing ships planes people it's it's very weird um, even to this day, I think they have issues with like their, their, uh, compass and stuff, but that just has to do with like magnetic stuff. So anyways, we all know that being a weird place, right? Apparently at our very own back door, Michigan has the exact same thing. It is known as the Michigan or the Lake Michigan triangle. And this sucker is huge. Um, if you get a chance right now, you can just Google that Michigan triangle or Lake Michigan triangle. If you're on your phone listening, um, or you can also go on to our Facebook page. I posted a picture on there as well, because you would think most people would know, you know, obviously the Bermuda Triangle, we're able to kind of, we can screw it around that, right? We know where it's at, even though it's big, but this sucker literally is massive. I mean, it, it stretches, uh, I don't know if it gives the exact dimensions of where it's like the three points that it touches. I don't see it on there off the top of my head, but I'm going to read you a couple things that have happened. Um said although it is not a popular it is not as popular as the Bermuda triangle the michigan triangle has its own unique mysteries and oddities to discover so what are some of these discoveries or oddities all right it says that the um so this is between michigan and uh, minnesota i presume oh wisconsin wisconsin okay yeah do you got it pulled up there i got yeah, i know i have it on my like, phone uh, Oh, yeah. What are the three points that it touches, though? I know if you go to our Facebook page, it'll actually have the name. I think it's like, oh, it's like Manitaka Manitaka or something like that up there in Wisconsin. Then I think it touches Ludington, and I cannot remember the other part of Michigan that it's actually touching. But, all right, so this, this triangle here. Uh, it says, you know, obviously the planet we live on, it's often referred to as the blue planet as more than 70% of it is covered by water. It is believed that the water makes it possible for earth to harbor life. On the other hand, some unusual things about the oceans and lakes confirm that, that they still have secrets waiting to be explored. 
the Michigan Triangle is one such example of hidden blah, 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 beneath. Okay. So a little synopsis of what it basically says about this thing is that although it's not as famous as the Bermuda Triangle, a number of unusual events are equally inexplicable from being hinted at as a hotspot for UFO sightings to a gateway to a parallel universe. Strange things have occurred here. So, oh, nice. As, uh, as I was sitting there going, well, I don't know where this thing's from or where it goes. It's, it's now going to lay out exactly where it's at. That's nice. Um, it's okay the mysterious yeah, michigan okay. triangle is part of the great it. lakes oh, i'm sorry what i said you'll put up with it oh that's right so anyways the michigan is part of the, uh, the michigan triangle is part of the great lakes north america and their area resembles an acute angle triangle to be precise it covers lake michigan which is the largest freshwater lake in the united states suck it all the other lakes Along, <laughs> don't think it has that part in there. Just put it there. Along the left side of Michigan's mitten, the first side of the triangle is formed by connecting ah right there, Ludington to Benton Harbor, Michigan. The second side spans uh, from Benton Harbor to Manitowoc, Wisconsin. The triangle is completed by its third side that leaks uh, that links Manitowoc back to Ludington. This is a, the bizarre occurrence in the area of magnetic lakes. Wait of the magnificent lake have been cause of curiosity among members for centuries. Okay. So that's a little bit of its background. It does span a massive difference. Obviously, again, if you're not looking at it, you're not going to really get it, but basically it's the whole freaking lake. Like there's no way if you're trying to go from say, I think Ludington or from Benton, one of the two to Sydney part in Illinois, there's no way to get around this thing. Like it's, it's freaking massive. And it dates way back. The first, just take a guess. When do you think the first weird incident was to kick this all off? Excuse me. Uh, 1776. Close. Very close. It's actually 1679. <laughs> That's like, wow. I'm going to be honest, long, I didn't, didn't even know we were quite that far back. But obviously it'll explain here in a second why it was that far back because... Uh, the history of the abnormal incidents in the Michigan Triangle can be traced to the seven, to the late 17th century. It was a pro, it was a time when the world was exploring new ways and routes for expanding trade. I don't even know that guy's name. Lee Griffin, one of the largest sailing vessels of its time. Oh, it's a ship. That's why. Set out on its maiden voyage. Does that mean it's its first like maiden? I'm not a sea guy. Uh, I'm not a seaman. You know what I'm I mean? Sure. I'm just Probably. no. Okay. Anyways, voyage in 1679 to find a northwest passage to China and Japan. So, obviously, we didn't have a great idea how the world is working at this point because they were like, I mean, to be fair, this lake is huge. I don't even think it gave any dimensions on that. But, like, the lake itself, they were talking about the depths of it and everything. The average depth, I think, is something like 279 feet on average or 200, 229, something like that. And the deepest point is 900 plus feet, like 970 something feet. So I can understand why they first came to this thing. And you can see if you've ever visited the Great Lakes before, when you're on the shore and you're just looking out, I could see why you might think this is another ocean front. But anyway, so they're trying to find a Northwest Passage to China and Japan. All went well until the ship reached the Michigan Triangle, never to come back. Ooh. <laughs> we shouldn't be laughing. These people died. All right. Although it, is not the, although it is not the only ship that might have been submerged, the horrifying part is that no wreckage of the ship nor any traces of the crew have been found to date. 
So that was the That's first significant. I mean, I guess. I mean, I mean, to they, date, damn. like, I That's feel like true. we probably explored most of that lake. The lake. We are yes and no. I mean, what's crazy is this. Like again, like I'm saying, this thing is huge, but that is a fair point. To, to not find anything is kind of you know. Um. So the eighth weirdest thing to happen on this place is called the Fury of Cloudless Sky. Uh, <laughs> this is where it gets kind of weird. All right, who would have thought a clear and cloudless sky would cause harm to a ship? But that's it. That what has to be expected that's a weird way of saying that I just I suck at reading and talking sorry but that's what has to be expected while in the Michigan Triangle in 1883 the crew of a wooden tugboat named Mary McLean very fancy that worked out of Chicago Harbor had a strange story to tell they claimed to have witnessed mighty blocks of ice falling from the sky while on the lake for a whole 30 minutes, it did not stop and was so powerful that it caused dents in the tug's wooden surface. The crew managed to save a large chunk of ice in its gallery icebox and recounted the horrific ordeal at the harbor. So, either these guys were drinking a lot of rum, uh, or, I mean, what do you make of that? Like, if it's a completely clear sky and they're getting rain down on with these massive ice chunks i i mean it says they saved it i too I much no too much rum but why is the rum gone <laughs> like, <laughs> um okay so, so uh, oh i'm sorry to sorry to bore you with my yeah, stories here um, yeah i guess it really understand. depend on like if you had actually you know if you had actual pieces of ice um, yeah well, I mean, it says they saved one. They took it back. And again, I mean, this, here's the thing. This is in 1883. That's a ways back. You know, we get a lot of hearsay. We can get changes in stories just in a, a matter of a year. So um, moving on to the seventh most creepy thing. Oh, and I forgot to mention this. I'm only sharing, like, the top ten creepy, weird things about this lake. To date, I'm pretty sure the lake itself, since 1679 on, has sunk or uh, over a thousand ships have been lost to this particular lake and of that thousand only a hundred or 150 of them still remain a mystery so i mean of the thousand you know you had 850 that were explained but 150 ships unexplainable they don't know what happened what took place and that's just the ships that's not counting planes people and other things so just keep that in mind like when we're sharing some of these stories I mean, I'd like to know, obviously, I couldn't go into all of these because we're going to get back to Steven in his case, but I just want to give you an idea of where Steven's at at this point. So this is, keep this in mind while I'm sharing this information. He is right on, uh, <clears throat> I can't remember if it was Ludington or which one it was, but he's right on the corner of where, like, the triangle meets from Michigan to Michigan, where he walked out on the, the, the lake there, or the ice. So the next thing that happened that had people turn their heads going kind of uh, timeline is the disappearance of one Thomas Hume. So while, uh, while speculation surrounding the disappearance of Le Griffin was yet to reach any con uh, consensus, another incident in the Michigan Triangle puzzled the area. The disappearance in 1891 of the Thomas Hume, a three, mm, oh, a three masted schooner, 
Honest Journey from Chicago to Muskegon is still a topic of debate. Even a $300 reward. Whoa, boys. Well, actually, you know what? That's probably in 1891. That's actually... 1891. Yeah, that's pretty significant. That's actually pretty massive. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to... Wow, that's a lot of money, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. That's that's a very significant amount of money. 1891. So, yeah, even a $300 reward to find some wreckage from the schooner went in vain. Surprisingly, uh, I do remember hearing about the story a little bit. The guy also felt put the ship out there he thought that the crew may have stolen his ship or taken it over so he put this reward out basically like keep an eye out i think that there's been a mutiny situation but anyways from the shooter went in vain surprisingly after more than a century so in 2006 the wreckage of the thomas hume was discovered by a diver in the southern portion of lake michigan this, the research continues to confirm its identity and the reason for its dramatic for its dramatic vanishing. Now, if I may, real quick on that one, I, I do have. I know it's it's not really relevant to the story. Go ahead. Uh, it's about eighty five hundred dollars uh, reward, three hundred dollars then in today's money. Oh, so like eight thousand roughly. Eighty five hundred. Nice. Yeah, something like that. Nice. Um. So with this particular one too. They said that it was weird, even though they're, they're still you know, figuring out all the, the details. They haven't put on an official report of what happened to this boat. What they have speculated on or have said is that without giving the official report, it's weird that the ship resurfaced literally 100 years later. And they said there seems to be no damage to the ship. So, like, no reason why it sunk. Now, again, this is an unofficial report. So... Hmm. Who knows when the actual report what comes out? But basically, at the time they were saying that there's there seemed to be no reason as to why it it sunk. So I just thought that was interesting to mention. Um, now this one right here to me is pretty amazing. I I don't know how we have not heard about this at all. Apparently, we have uh, what is known as uh, home to the underwater American Stonehenge. Did you know we had that? No. Right. So, apparently, it says, did you know that not just England, but the America, too, has a Stonehenge. Very nice, sticking it to the Brits. The noticeable difference is the America, or the Americas is underwater, and it is spooky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not spooky that rocks got stacked <laughs> in another place. Yeah. But it's underwater here in Manton, Michigan, yeah. so it's spooky. Spooky. Archaeologists have discovered a structure made of stones resembling a stone hedge in a shallow shallow segment of the Lake Michigan. There is also a boulder that features an image of a mastodon, a species that was extinct 10,000 years ago. So, um, thoughts on this? (laughs) I mean, I, I was trying to remember this myself. I wish... I cannot, because I, I kind of suck with geology and, like, the whole timeline of geology, but if we were to go back 10,000 years, didn't, because we found the, wasn't there that woolly mammoth that they found, like, in, it's not that far from, like, where Dr., what's his name, our chiropractor used to operate. Remember, there was a woolly mammoth that they found out there, and it still had, like, um, Green it still had grass. a leaf in its mouth. Yeah, and it had been frozen. That was in that area. But I'm saying, I thought that Michigan 10,000 years ago, so we know that there were probably woolly mammoths there, but the, 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 uh, wasn't it covered in ice? Like, wasn't Michigan or where Michigan's at at one point in time completely, like, 
just a giant sheet of ice? I could I be wrong in this, but I'm not sure on that one. No, okay. I don't well, anyways, uh, this. Uh, so, anyways, the exact location is not revealed to the world, presumably as the research is still being conducted, and if and if it and if it linked with the secrets of the particular particular or peculiar Michigan Triangle. More oh, wow, there is no period there. Anyways, moreover, it is still not known if the structure is man-made or naturally occurring. Naturally occurring? What the French toast? Yeah, weird thing, this water. It's just been circulating down there and uh, made a little stone hedge. He carved out a mastodon for us, you know, the mermaids. <laughs> they, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I just maybe that feels I mean, like an if, maybe, maybe you could pick up if you actually look at the at the image. You know, maybe that's it's... true. I think I I don't know if it has it has an image of the of a mastodon. I, I this place is kept so top secret right now because they don't want anybody going in there and disturbing like the grounds and. We're yeah, definitely it. could be naturally occurring. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> well, no, for real. It's I guess this is some sacred part of the the lake. Oh man, really knocked the camera on there. Sacred part of the lake too. So, like with the uh, Native American culture, there was some stuff that way where it's being protected. All right, so that was number six. Uh, number five. This one's interesting too. This is the Rosabella, known as the single ship collision. So. It is a known ship. Yeah, this one's weird. Is it like the Titanic where they just ran into an iceberg? Ah, there is an instance on here. I don't know if this is the one, but it it might be the one. I'll see. It says it is a known fact. Oh, wait. It is a known fact. Any kind of collision has two or more forces involved in it. However, that is not the case in the Michigan Triangle. At least that's what the Rosabella incident reveals reveals in 1921 a ship named rosabella they're gonna say that word about five times i guess with 11 members on board vanished in the michigan triangle unlike other incidents the remains of the ship were found floating in lake michigan Ooh, so they did find this one however it raised many eyebrows when it was found that the ship overturned due to a collision and even more chilling is the fact that there were no other ship incidents recorded at a similar time and no other remains were found. And I do believe with this particular one was also, it didn't go any more detail on that one, but that is the one where none of the crew is found. The crew is like completely gone too. So, I mean, that that one could be like yeah, a storm. You, I mean, there's some big waves out there on the, big, on the Great Lake. Especially I an mean, 11 man boat. Like this is probably not a huge boat. That's true, right? Well, it said it was what? Did it say it was a schooner, this one? I don't, really, I don't even think it said what type of boat this one was. But anyway, so we have that incident. And again, you can look these up. You can, If you just type in Strange Disappearances, Michigan Triangle, or Lake Michigan Triangle, I'm sure you'll get a ton of them. Now this one, this one's interesting. Because it's kind of similar to what happened to our guy Steven here. Um, it's called The Strange Disappearance of Captain George R. Donna. So, and another unexplained mystery about the Michigan Triangle is the disappearance of Captain George Donner, who was guiding the ship named O.M. McFarland. Oh, there's some Irish and uh, Scottish people who <laughs> the ship here. Anyways, um, McFarland, in 1937, the ship was 
was on the way to Port Washington, Wisconsin. When the captain went to his cabin, leaving a message to the crew members to wake him when they were, when they were near to port. The crew followed the instruction and, not, and knocked on the captain's cabin, but received no response. Um, they also went down and checked. I, I don't know why it doesn't have any history in here. That he At this time, after he knocked on his door, I was like, hey, we're getting close. Because it also didn't lay the background on this, that they were navigating ice all night. So Donner himself was actually up for many, many hours. He, they said he was pretty exhausted because he'd been navigating them through perilous ice and getting them to their port. And so he decided to take basically a nap and was like, you know, wake me up. So the guy tried to knock on his door and he didn't, you know, he's like, well, maybe he went down to get something to eat. So he goes down there and he checks. That's when he started to notify some of the crew. Hey, we're looking for the captain. You know, maybe came through. No, no, no. They come back up again and they uh, noticed that much to their surprise, the cabin was locked from the inside. Not that that's much of a surprise because usually doors lock from the inside. But yeah. uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> I feel bad for making fun of all this information that we're getting freely. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so they had to break the door down. However, the captain was nowhere to be found and vanished without any trace. The frightened crew revealed that the ship was in the Michigan Triangle when the chilling incident occurred. Ooh. So, now, this one, I wish there was a little more information on all this stuff because I'd like to know how much ice. Maybe. He got in trouble with the law. I mean, disappeared. that's the thing with some of the stuff. It's like, well, what is some of the background? Of it? Like I said, with me naming some of the stuff, I apologize. Because like I said, there could be a whole, we could do a whole story on this. You know what I mean? Like each one of these little events could have an entire episode in them. But my point is, I'm just trying to, again, when we're talking about Steven and his story, we're going to bring it back to him. Hard this is the area that he's uh, in. Yawning. Yeah, now that people can see, you can't even hide it. How yeah. do you think I feel sitting here wearing clothes? Jeez. I All know, right, I so. usually don't. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get better about it, though. Oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah, once the yeah, kids start kid, getting a little yeah, older. God. Well, you know, I yeah. probably don't want to be running around for too much longer. <laughs> and then uh, oh, Brittany was nagging me. The, I use nagging. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Me. Did you just... I, she doesn't <laughs> nag me. I'm not complaining about my wife. Um, but she was, she was, she told me that, uh, she wished I would wear clothes more often because she would like to take pictures more often. Uh, uh, and I don't particularly like it when my barely. unclothed self gets posted <laughs> to social photograph. media. Barely, so, uh, yeah. not into the whole, apparently free balling it. People really get upset about taking the pictures. So, oh man. All right. Where are we at? Okay. Uh, we got two incidents left here that I want to mention, and then we're going to bring it back to Steven. So the lo- whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. A deadly da- a disaster again took place in the Michigan Triangle in 1950. But this time, it was an aircraft. What was that? Uh, it was like a hiccup. <laughs> <laughs> combo. I don't, I don't know. That's it was awesome. weird. Right. But this time, an aircraft. The Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 2501. I always suck saying numbers, not to interrupt the story here, but like, how do you say, is it, you should say 01, but 2501 rolls out so much more smooth, I feel like. 
a lot of that, people, yeah, I mean, a lot of people say O instead yeah. of zero. So Anyways. I'm definitely one of those people. I almost did it there, but Flight 2501, with 55 passengers and three crew members, was on its way from New York to Minneapolis when the fatal event occurred. Now, I'm going to give a little more background before I go on the rest of what they talked about here because there's some other information I have on this one. This particular pilot had made this flight, this exact flight, for the previous five years. So he had a set route that he'd been doing. This was not some rookie pilot who, you know, first time flying or whatever and maybe crashed. Um, so just to give you background, this crew knew this flight pattern inside and out. Uh, just before the flight vanished from radar, the captain had requested to descend to the cruising altitude. Excuse me. Descend to cruising altitude to 2,500 feet, which is not that high is it really for a plane it's pretty low yeah, yeah 2500 low yeah it said plane. due to extreme and unexpected turbulence the permission could not be granted and the flight continued at 3500 feet over lake michigan so 3500 feet is really not that high either i feel like but anyways the flight never reached its destination nor was the plane's wreckage found the reason for the crash remains a mystery and the only remains found were body fragments and light debris so now that's the part where i just want to interject there there's a little more of the story as well <clears throat> so right there when they said that the plane's wreckage was never found that is true no major part of the plane was ever found no engine no tail no wing anything like that no body part of the plane what was found were things that could float plastic containers the seats from chairs things like that but in the area where they found that there were no body parts there was nothing. They found no bodies. They couldn't find the main part of the plane, even though they said they dragged, like, the, uh, the... Because at this time, this is the most major crash that happened in our history at this point in time, I guess. So they were dragging the leg trying to find, like, the wreckage, and they, they, they found nothing. So they spent a little bit of time here trying to, to find something. So it's not like they just sent two guys out and uh, we didn't find anything. We found a seat or two. And then I think it was out on... I'd like to know exactly where these guys crashed, but it doesn't tell me. But there was a lakefront or a beachfront in Wisconsin that ended up having to shut down because body parts were just floating up onto their beach, like a leg or an arm or torso. And it said that the body parts looked shredded, like they looked not like a fish had been eating on them, like they looked shredded, like cuts down them as if, if an explosion had happened. So when they first started finding these body parts, they shut down the, the beach for a couple of weeks and... Uh, they, they basically say, all right, well, we're thinking from based on body parts, an explosion took place, right? Like the plane just blew up. Well, the thing was, all that other material that they found, like the plastic containers and the floating of seats and all that, none of those had burn marks or anything like that. And if there had been an explosion, they said there would have been some kind of charring or a f indication of fire of some sort. So none of the material that they found from the plane showed an explosion, yet the people or the pieces of people that they found indicated that there had been a severe explosion so this one was a bit that's, weird to me because i mean it's kind of messed up though like being in wisconsin and just like at the beach yeah, chilling the beach. and then there's like hey, Jeff, uh, oh there's a leg oh hey marge let's let's take the kids to the beach eh? let's just you know <laughs> nice sunny day oh yeah and then he's sitting there just relaxing and just oh freaking kid comes running up with an arm to stretch <laughs> that's insane <laughs> But I think to me that's the weird part. I, I guess I could see how maybe if if the plane hit the water, right? Because what did that pilot say when he was on Jogan that one time? The Commander Fra Fravor, he said that when you're over the ocean or you're flying just where there's water, 
visually, it's hard to tell if you're at a thousand feet or a hundred feet over the, over the water. Like basically it looks the same to you. So you, if this guy did basically decide, you know what, I'm going 2,500 feet, whether they like it or not, you know, maybe he crashed the plane, but I feel like in every plane crash where you just crash normally, you've almost always found some sort of something, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, pieces just, of something? Does it just disappear? I, I mean, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head now, and I'm putting myself on the spot, but wasn't there a plane that went missing with a lot of people, like, ah, 2008 or 10? Like, a ton of people went missing on this one flight. Remember that one? This was a while ago, but uh, no, anyways, we'll end up looking it up. So anyways, that's that uh, particular thing. Uh, the uh, Oh, right, right. I forgot about this part. Uh, not only the disappearance, but the strange appearance to have made the Michigan Triangle one of the most mysterious places in the world. In 1919, people have observed... Oh, and I forgot. Uh, I thought it was going to tell the second part of the story there, and it didn't. This moved on to something else. So the um, police officers, there was two officers in... Um, Wisconsin. So this thing must have been pretty close to the to the beach because they said that where they later gave a report, they had seen a strange red light, uh, a, a orb of some sort, appear and last for about ten to fifteen minutes. It seemed to just hover and then it disappeared. Once linked up with what happened here, they they agree that they think that that probably took place somewhere in the area of that plane, which would only lead more to the idea that a fire took place. Because if you're seeing a glow and it's red, you would you would think that that's what's going on, but not finding any of the burned stuff, and then other people that feel that they're this is where the UFO indications are. That, and I guess it's still basically the the folklore is that they that those people were abducted, but obviously had body parts. So <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, now, the unexplained strange appearances. So. Not only the disappearances, but strange appearances to have made the Michigan Triangle one of the most mysterious places in the world. In 1919, people have observed unusual and bright lights in the sky above the Michigan Triangle. They reveal that they have witnessed two large balls. Wait. Ooh. Oh, now it's sharing my story. <laughs> two large <laughs> balls. <laughs> they got a picture of Micah from his wife, and then, uh. <laughs> what? Well, you were saying that you were naked and she was trying to take pictures and uh, anyways that didn't not work what, out that's not what i, I said it was, i did oh not say i was naked but this like... is, <laughs> that's true you didn't um so the story i just told you about those two police officers was true but this one is similar to that so it said that in 99 they revealed that they have witnessed two large balls of fire a fire fall into lake michigan and the explosion was so powerful that it shook the earth the New York Times reported it as a huge meteor, but some still perceive that this event is paranormal. Many reports of supposed UFO sightings at the same point above Michigan Triangle were reported later by locals. Um, so that's kind of that. Uh, I think the last thing. No, that was it. So that's what we have going on here. Um, I one last thing I want to share too in regards to the airport situation of the flight. I think it's uh, the O'Hara Airport in Chicago, one of the bigger airports around. The uh, they had some instances starting in the fifties, in the eighties, and there's actually a really big one that just happened not that long ago, where they were having ghost planes on the radars. So they would literally have like a pilot coming from Detroit or wherever flying over this area 
only in the triangled area. Again, not in any other part of the lake, only over this triangled area. And they would have to tell their guys, like there were a couple of times they were freaking out, thinking that there was going to be a collision made. There was three, I think, separate occasions where these pilots had to make some massive maneuvers that were extremely dangerous in a plane that's, you know, hauling people around, excuse me, to avoid a collision. And there ended up being nothing. So, I mean, that's interesting that you have people tracking these things on a radar saying that they're seeing this, but there's, there's nothing there. So now that we've kind of established Lake Michigan and its weirdness, which story do you think stuck out to you the most? Is there one that kind of sticks out to you out of those? Uh, uh, I mean, planes showing up on a radar that aren't actually there. That's kind of, uh, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, the New York times reporting on a giant ball of fire. Dude. Giant Two of giant fire. balls of fire. Oh, um, on top of that, flying into uh, a lake. That's kind with of... the with the whole UFO sightings. A particular one that keeps coming up too, and this has been reported by people um, both on the boats uh, and people on the shores, have said that they have seen these massive things under the water. Like so, not that like basically UFOs but coming out of the water. So, like, literally hitting the water and staying in the water and leaving the water. And I can't remember the story off my top of my head, but didn't Commander Fravor kind of deal with something like that or see something where it just, like, hit the water and then came right out like it was nothing? Didn't he uh, say... I thought he I thought he was talking about there was something... Remember, he, he was saying that... it wasn't disturbing the water. It, it wasn't disturbing the water, but remember he said there was something down there. Like, it was dark. I, I could be I, wrong in this, I but... Don't, I don't anyways... Remember. Basically, having to do with all that, they're they're also saying that things were coming in and out of the water. So, um, so for you, you're saying the plane is kind of the big one that that's kind of sticking out to you so far. I mean, yeah, I think if you have technology that is specifically supposed to pick up the presence of something, and it's picking it up, and there's nothing really there, that's kind of yeah, it's a little interesting. Significant. Man, you're just uh Oh yeah. Ready with that It's coffee, coffee today. It's Listen, coffee when I'm today. when I'm telling it's the amazing. stories, it's coffee. We're gonna have Harley on here uh our next episode, as we mentioned in the intro there. And uh that'll be a beer night. That'll be when I can uh enjoying the stories. <laughs> when I'm telling the story, <laughs> coffee. Um so also, if you guys are it. still listening, do you do you mind having like a story told to you or mm. do you prefer more of a back and forth podcast about a specific subject you rather than kind of like a <laughs> rather than, <laughs> uh, more of like a storytelling with a couple interjections. Um, True. Let us know how you feel about that. Maybe we'll even make a poll for it on Facebook. Might not be a bad idea. Yeah, we're um, going to be doing our so Facebook we... live. Let's bring it up on there. We're yeah. gonna be hopping on there for uh, obviously by the time you probably hear this, we'll have already done it. But the uh, we'll probably maybe we'll do that like once a month, like we hop on just to kind of do some uh, just some conversation with our fans and those that are helping yeah. support the show. Wish I had uh, done what you did before you you got your video, you got your hair did. So this the this was not the pl- the hair. I didn't do anything. I was supposed I to wear a hat. Uh, I have no idea actually what I look like right now because I can't see myself. But the uh, yeah, whatever is going on, 
was not completely intentional. I'll tell you that. I mean, I, I gave a little bit of attention to it, but not a lot. Um, anyways, real quick, bringing it back to this. So last we left off with Steven, they've just found the, the backpack. What are your feelings? Since you did uh, fully read up on this, what are your feelings oh, right man. now with Steven? Oh, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't read anything. Okay. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of odd that like he just has footprints and they just stop and there's yeah. nothing there. Um, yeah. And that the story is like, oh, hey, he probably fell in the ice. But I, I mean, you should be able to tell if the ice broke, right? Even yeah, even, even if the ice broke and it froze back over, there's still going to be like you know some jaggedness or something on that ice to be able up. to tell that it's broken. Um and then the backpack see? just like, like yeah that that's the one that gets me that's pretty significant. so this was in <laughs> like, february 21st is when he went missing so february 21st it's still pretty cold out i mean february 21st was getting a little bit warm here recently but there's parts of the lakes if you've had a cold winter they're still frozen over i i, I highly doubt that a young man who weighed maybe 160 170 fell through the ice well that's a little um, presumptuous I'm, yeah, a young I'm just man. saying but I, I weigh a heck of a lot more than 160. Yeah, yeah we seem to weigh more than our <laughs> grandparents did. It's weird. I don't... Something about the fast food or something? I don't... <laughs> Piss-poor diets. Okay. Piss-poor right. diets. So here's here's where things get weird. So you ready? Let's you figure out what happened. That, but it's, well, I'm, lot, I'm asking, I'm asking you. Weird. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's not like our audience is going to be like Dora the Explorer. Yes, we are. Anyways, uh... But, but what do you make of it? You never watched Door the Explorer? Uh, I mean... They'd be like, swiper and all swiping. And then they would be, like, stuff highlighted on the screen. It teaches you Spanish. And then you'd have to know the Spanish word for, like, dog or parrot. And they'd be like, where is... I don't know the Spanish word for parrot. I forgot. Uh, <laughs> I forgot dog, too. I literally <laughs> thought I had those before I said it. But anyways... They'd be like, where's it at? I watched it with Liam one time. And he was, like, screaming at the screen. In the beginning, he didn't care. And then, like, 20 minutes into the second episode or whatever, wherever we were on the second episode, he was, like, yelling at the screen. Anyways, God's sake. Okay. No, I haven't. All right. So, he gets written off as missing persons. They can't report you as dead for five years. Because, as we all know from watching Tiger King, Carol freaking Basket killed her husband. I'll tell you that right now. Uh... Anyways, I just finished the first episode of that. Oh, did you actually episode. start it? Yeah. Okay, you got to get through the first episode. The first episode, you're like, it's it's really screwing with you. It's still gonna screw with you immensely. <laughs> but once you get past the first one, the, I just got to the story of the the woman that got her maul, her arm mauled. Oh yeah, and then she's just gonna... like, you know what? Cut it off. I'm gonna go back to work. <laughs> Like seven days after a tiger mauls your freaking arm off, you're back to work. Like seven most people days. are like, I have a blister. Yeah. I cannot work. Like go the the MLB. They literally take time like they don't play baseball games. If they have a finger injury, this mother trucker yeah. lost a freaking arm and she's From just like hobo no, down. I get it. I get it. It's it's all good. I'm gonna go back to work. <laughs> Did you love Joe's response throwing on the EMS jacket like let's go? Yeah, I've trained this whole and everything. Dude, yeah. he was ready. 
He, I don't know what kind of twisted porno Screw he was the shooting. Fire, the, f- the fire, the fire, the fire department. No, it was. Uh, God dang it! The fire extinguisher. He said something about a fire extinguisher. Oh, like, yeah. screw the fire extinguisher! Yeah, <laughs> like, I, who brought a wait, fire extinguisher? This woman even, got her arm mauled. Like I can't even tell you everything uh, since you haven't watched it. But he, yeah, this. But I love the part where he was like, "It's gonna financially ruin me." Like, yeah, that's, I'll never financially <laughs> recover from this. Yeah, there's, oh my there's a lot of memes on that. Oh specific. yeah, I've got literally thirty-five. I have a file dedicated to just. His nice. memes in my phone. Nice. Um, so now that we've talked about uh, Joe Exotic on here, guys, let's bring it back to Steven. So, oh, yeah, the reason we brought up Joe Exotic, his, anyways, five years, after five years, they can pronounce a missing person. They can file for a death certificate and make them actually dead. So, anyways, well, legally dead. Um, you don't get life insurance until no. five yeah. years after someone's been missing. So... Families basically mourn. They've had. I do. There's not a lot of information on whether they had like a ceremony or anything, but he's basically dead. Okay. All right. On May fifth, nineteen seventy nine, well over a year after he went missing, Kubaki woke up. He got woke. You know what I'm saying? Um. Anyways, so he literally wakes up in a grassy knoll in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. 700 miles due east from where he had vanished. You can draw a near-perfect straight line between them on a map. It was a Saturday night. Because that's a great time to wake up. We had a party a little too hard last Saturday with the boys. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just how, how, oh how long did you say? So, a year and a half. Roughly what it says is 15 months. 15 months later, well, that's not he a just year and a half. It's wakes up. A year and a quarter. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's weird that it said year and a half there, but it's 15 months is what did happen. Well, that's not true, right? May 5th, 1979, and he went missing in February, so, yeah, it's not even quite a year and a half. That's year and a third. No, I guess it is about 15 months. Yeah, anyways, so he just wakes up. It's a Saturday night. Excuse me. (sighs) Kubaki had no memory of the previous 14 and a half months. Oh, my God, there's the answer right there. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> over here trying to do some rudimentary math. God, if only there was an answer. All right. Had no previous memory of the past 14 and a half months and said he didn't immediately realize how much time had passed until he brought bought a newspaper and saw the date. He didn't, Could you he didn't question imagine? Like waking up just like so, in a well, grassy knoll? Like, Oh, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but did you... Uh, you've never been sedated, have you, like, for surgery or anything? Uh, yeah. They oh, you have? My okay. appendix oh, out. They were like, you know what? We're not going <laughs> to sedate you for this. We're just going to reach in there and rip Old it school. out. Dude, that's crazy. You're a beast. Anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah it was, it was, so, okay, it was so you didn't traumatic. get sedated, though, is what I'm saying. Yes. Uh, you did or you didn't? I did. Yeah, of course oh, I did. did. Oh, f- I thought you were... <laughs> Do you think? Because I remember it was an emergency. Remember you went in and, like, without they, knocking me out. I mean, mate, pff, I've seen Grey's Anatomy. They cut people's throats in elevators and stuff, dude. Like, <laughs> it could probably happen. <laughs> Anyways, so let's just put ourselves in Steven's position now. Obviously, we have a little more information than he does right now, right? Yeah. But could you I'm, imagine? I'm like, psyched. you have been skiing. You don't remember anything. You wake up. In a grassy field 
first of all. Like, nobody around. You're just in a grassy field. And then you uh, you end up finding out that it's in, you don't even know where you're at, but we end up finding out all the information. Uh, he has no previous memory of the 14. So he, he bought a newspaper and saw the date. So now there's the moment, do you think, where he's like, what the French toast? Like, what? I'd be tripping, like, I would be freaking out. I mean, he probably was already, and he just wanted a newspaper to, like, really freak him out. So this is, he found his way to his aunt's house in Great Barrington, about 20 miles from Pittsfield. From from there, he was reunited with the rest of his family in South Deerfield. So, and there's a picture of him uh, in the newspaper clipping. It says, Stephen Kubaki left embraces his father after returning, after returning since the reported missing February 20th, 1978. Um, now, the part it's not telling here is and this is where the story gets weird again. And like right there, it sounds like he met his aunt who took him to his family and whatever. And then there's other reports saying that his dad was just watching TV one night. Here's the doorbell ring, goes to answer the door and his son's there. Excuse me. So could you imagine from his point of view too, like what the French toast, like you are definitely thinking your kid's dead, right? Like 15 months. Nobody comes back from that. Yeah, I think you probably got past that point. of Right. You've probably dealt with whatever. You know, you're probably at the point where you're starting to maybe somewhat accept it. Now you it. think you're hallucinating or something. Yeah. Um, now, here's what's weird. After he re- uh, after he reemerged, Kubaki told repeat- reporters, repeaters, reporters that he had found himself wearing clothes that he didn't recognize as his own, and he had a backpack filled with maps and hitchhiking signs suggesting that he had traveled widely. Sacramento, San Francisco, Reno, Chicago, and Utah being among some of the maps found. What the French toast is going on right now? <laughs> like that's because <laughs> you think about it, his other previous backpack left there, right? Like they recovered that. He also had forty dollars in cash, new glasses, sneakers, and a T-shirt from a marathon in good old Wisconsin. What the French toast? Like, this is such a freaking weird case that uh, his he was quoted as saying, I feel like I've been, t- I feel like I've done a lot of running. I think I'll go home now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's all I had to say about that. Well, Anyways, I don't, I don't know um, a whole lot of people have seen Forrest Gump. Yeah, if you haven't seen Forrest Gump, do yourself you, a favor. You Become an American. America. Watch some Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Pretty good movie. It's a very good movie. Plus, it's got Tom Hanks. Um, all right, so, so okay, let's. This yeah, there was one quote, one of the very few quotes he ever gave to the media, which is interesting too. He said, "I feel like I've been." Or he said, "I feel like I've done a lot of running." He said in an interview the week he reappeared, his memory right up until the disappearance remained intact. He said the last thing that he remembered was feeling cold and scared of being lost in the frozen darkness. So I lied. I guess he did have a memory up to that. That's kind of weird, too, because if he knew his route, like, he just... Um, anyways, Kabaki told a reporter that he believed his blackout was caused by exhaustion and exposure and said that he would see, and said he would see a medical doctor for a physical, but he would not be seeing a psychiatrist. Kabaki insisted that he was in a healthy frame of mind when he set off for the skiing trip and still was. Right here, 
There's another quote. My father was going to sign over the house to me. <clears throat> I had three courses of school and no trouble. I left a romance in Germany. There was no trouble with girls. I had a job lined up with Holland's Sen Sentinel newspaper. So Kabaki didn't take that job, but he had been awarded a bachelor's degree in absentity? Absentee? Absentee? Wait, is that the word absentee? A, I don't know. I can't see that word. I know. It's A-B-S-E-N-T-I-A. -E I'm also really bad about people. I'm, I know. Anyways, from Hope College. So, I know, I don't. From Hope College the year before, he'd won that award and whatever it was. Uh, when he was feared, wait, when he was feared but never declared dead, apparently even the detectives who investigated his disappearance had doubts about the drowning theory. They sent his dental records to Chicago to see if Kubaki might be among the serial killer John Wayne Gacy's identified victims. I don't know about him either. You don't know who John Wayne Gacy is? No, I probably should. My wife's you really into serial killers. Should. Yeah. John Wayne Gacy was, uh, I believe he was the guy that dressed up like a clown. What the French killed, toast? He killed like young boys. Oh no 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 no! I do know this because Dad used to work with a guy who could have he got freaking kidnapped by this guy and got yeah. away. Remember that? Yeah. Holy crap! That was that guy. I remember Dad telling that story when I was a kid, but I just didn't know that that was like yeah, that guy. Yeah, he, he um he was a sex offender who assaulted and murdered at least thirty three young boy uh, young oh men God. and boys. Yeah, and he was born in Chicago. I'm telling you, Chicago man. I know, right? Cha -cha, baby. So, I don't know where my wife's from. <laughs> That's what a problem is. Anyways, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, anyway, so they did that. Today, uh, and a little bit of information on Stephen now. So, today, Kabaki remains alive and well in the Pacific Northwest, working as a psychologist. Yes. Now, he did write a book, but the book has nothing to do with, like, like this experience. It, it's... The only thing that's weird about this guy at all, because he never, even though he received a lot of pressure from the media and stuff, he never gave much of a, a story outside of what happened. I mean, he, what are you going to do, right? He basically, I guess he was quoted, and they don't have it on here, but he was quoted another time saying that I would talk to you if I had something to talk about, but I don't remember. Like, I have nothing to share. What can I share with you? Like, I remember being cold, and then, boom, I wake up. So you know as much as I do. Uh, he wrote a book called Meta Mathematical Foundations of Existence. So that's a little interesting. But, um, you know, other than that, um, it's basically the Meta Mathematical Foundations of Existence, Global Quantum, God and Beyond. For decades, he has refused to speak about his disappearance with reporters. He has ignored my attempts to reach him. Kabaki's ex-wife told me unequivocally that she would not be speaking about it. Interesting. His parents, who reportedly spent thousands of dollars on private investigators after he went missing, refused to believe that their son had died, have since passed away. So it sounds like they were spending money, perhaps, like, during during the missing time? Maybe? I'm not, it's um, not yeah, quite I mean, clear that's there. Would, that's, that's pretty clear. Well, I'm just like, wondering if they'd be like... Now they hired private investigators right. to see if they could find him. I know. I suck it. I was telling Christina this today. Like, I can't read and retain. Like, I have to listen to somebody to retain. If I'm reading and trying to retain, it doesn't work. But anyways, Kabaki's story has received a lot of media attention. Not attention. Not even. Oh, wait. 
oh, hasn't received a lot of its uh, media attention, not even a Wikipedia page. I think that's false. I think there is a Wikipedia page now. But it's popular in online communities concerned with the paranormal. One reason for his for this is the location of Kabaki's disappearance, close to south, you know, the border so-called, you know, Michigan Triangle. The, uh, let's see, what else is there? Anything to know? The better known, oh, much smaller than the Bermuda Triangle, the Lake Michigan Triangle has been. It looks like he's going to go into some reports about uh, some of the stuff we already talked about. So, let me see if there's anything else. Uh, Kabaki told reporters in 1979 that he was going to try and retrace his steps to piece together where he had been when he was gone. Did he? And did he find something that wished he wished he hadn't? Or did he not? Because it was not or wasn't necessary. And that's basically the story. So uh, hmm. uh, let's go back up real quick. Let's 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 recap a little. So uh Let's see. The I mean, it's pretty road easy road. to recap. Okay. Yeah, Guy disappears. He does. He just footsteps stop. Nothing. Nobody finds anything. His backpack shows up randomly back with his skis when there was nothing there when they were looking for him. Then 14 and a half months later, he shows up in a grassy knoll. <laughs> How many miles away? Uh, I think it was 700. Let me look here. Let's see. He reappeared. Uh, let's see. Uh, Negress, you know, yeah, Ma- in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, 700 miles due east from where he had vanished. You can draw a near-perfect straight line between them on the map, it says. On a Saturday night, by the way. So, just <laughs> 700 miles to the east of yeah. where he disappeared 14 and a half months ago. Mm-hmm. And he has a he has a backpack with a bunch of random maps. He's got new yeah. sneakers. He's got new that's, glasses. Like that seems really, really random. Like so, I I want you to give basically your take or hypothesis on this, and I'm going to give mine because I know mine's going to be ridiculous. So I want to at least have some. <laughs> <laughs> I want some um, norm normalcy. Christina hates I mean, it. That may not be a I word. Would, I don't know. She might be right. I would say there's a couple there's a couple possibilities. He had new new sneakers Pardon. too. New sneakers and a T-shirt from a marathon in Wisconsin. Um, jeez. And then the 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 maps being from traveled widely from Sacramento, San Francisco, Reno, Chicago, and Utah. So off the top of my head, I don't know where Sacramento. I I, I do, but I don't know that it's at. That's in California. It's almost, in California as well. All those in California. So San Francisco, Reno. Reno that's well, he had Chicago, California. but then Utah. Yeah, it's getting out. Yeah, so that's like. And then he pops back up in freaking Massachusetts, the other side of the country. But um, at least he had forty dollars in his pocket. So. Yeah, I mean he got paid for his his time. <sighs> yeah, so uh, I'm sorry, and so I completely interrupted you. What are your thoughts? There's a couple possibilities. There is the possibility that he was abducted. Okay. And then after they got done with him, apparently they gave him some new sneakers and some new sh- new glasses and. Uh, Forty bucks in his pocket. Send him on his way. Forty dollars um, seems fair. Fourteen yeah. months. Forty dollars. Whatever. You know. <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, I guess, I guess, if you, if you believe in aliens and you believe that they they abduct people, uh, that's probably a prominent possibility. The other possibility, which I couldn't really, I couldn't, it doesn't really explain, like why his footsteps would just disappear unless he just like 
walked and then walked backwards. I thought about that. In his, in his but foot. Now here's what I got thrown off steps. on that. To just to point out, because I, I think it just for perhaps our listener might be saying this too, is because I thought about this, what you're saying right now. So I was like, all right, same thing. I was like, what well, if this guy just wanted to disappear for a little bit? So he retraces his steps. But here's the problem. Once he reaches his skis, what then? He has to either get back on his skis, because if he starts taking steps, it's going to be footprints. So between his skis and his footprints. Maybe he had more than one set of skis. I don't know. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. It's I know. Not, I'm just trying I, to rationally think everything. about it, too. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong just, answer. There's literally I'm no right saying, or wrong there's answer. There's a possibility, possibility that he somehow intentionally made himself disappear. Maybe. And went about his day and just is lying about it. Or, you know, maybe the government needed him to do something. Ooh, yeah, and think know. about it with Maybe you know, like Ben and Joe been talking about that on our last episode saying that. Yeah. I mean, there's possibilities. There's possibilities. I would say it, it, if you had people looking for this guy, um, it doesn't seem like he would be out and about in public space and not, you know, nobody would be able to find him at all. Um, so I think him like participating in a marathon and all that kind of stuff i, I feel like someone probably would have found him if you're if you That's hired private investigators get. and they're actually yeah like they take job. freaking pictures when you finish a marathon obviously you can just buy a t-shirt without actually doing it but they almost always take pictures even back in the 70s i'm sure they were taking pictures when you finished a marathon it's a big deal um real quick too let me give you a little more info just real quick i looked this bio what little bit there was for this guy the only small, strange thing about him, if there is something that's, I guess you could say, strange, is um, he, it says that he, he has a PhD. Uh, he's a believer in something called praxis, the old Greek word that don't, uh, denote, man, that's so tiny, denotes. denotes the making of real or ideas and imagination through some sort of action. He is not merely interested in the front, frontiers of knowledge but engages in activities and adventures both physical and cerebral to expand the boundaries of his possible of the possibility in his life's work the fran uh, i can't it's so tiny i was waiting for that's what she said but <laughs> left me hanging um well you said it all by yourself, anyways so. that's the only weird thing is that he has a belief that basically all things are possible and he, but he's held some really big um, positions. Question for like, you. Go for do it. Do you believe all things are possible? Do I believe all things are yeah. possible? So this is where it gets interesting. Possible? I feel like it's not a far-fetched uh, a well, the belief, opinion. But, but I think what he's saying is, man, that's a big spider. Big spider. Wow. Um... <laughs> Anyways, for those of you that aren't watching this video, I see a massive spider right there. Picture. That's not that big. Um, well, then why did you? Say I'm just gonna not like spider. when it disappears, and I'm in this little room. <laughs> Scared of spiders? No, not really. But that one's red, and I don't like uh, red spiders. I don't see those a lot. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yes and no. I, I, 
his belief though is not just that all things are possible his belief is that you can manifest things if you look it up proxy or whatever it is you can kind of get any maybe look it up real quick while i'm talking praxis it's p-r-a-x-i-s so that we get an accurate description of what it is versus me talking about it but i'm pretty sure it's the belief that you can manifest thoughts and imagination into reality so that anything you imagine can be a reality you said p-r-a-x-i-s i-s i'm pretty sure let me check yeah p-r-a-x-i-s now i could be wrong in that description so once you pull it up you could talk about it but that's the only thing that's slightly different but not like terrible you know what i mean really distracted by this spider um so okay your thoughts being that i know we didn't get quite finished there because i got you looking something up um but your thoughts are that something definitely happened this guy like would you say that you're ruling out that he faked this um what are the chances one out of what are the chances he would fake this all chances are good he did not fake it i would i would say there's a there's like a two percent chance that this guy that's what i feel two percent or less or um, less if he did he's like what is it specifically called because it's a belief word oh okay uh it it says he believes in praxis the old greek word that denotes the making of real of ideas and imagination through some form of action so i mean that's kind of the description right there you don't really have to look it up so that's basically what he believes so that's his belief system i think that's a lot of what his book was focused on um not so much his story and he's never like they said he's nobody else has ever spoken out about this he didn't go into great detail but it doesn't sound like he has siblings his ex-wife's not talking about it and his parents have both since passed away so i I don't know um anything you want to add real quick before i give my little my little rant no i'm i'm ready to hear this uh, i'm just kidding this insane story of yours it's not insane this is this is what happened. So listen up, folks. Um, so, anyways, I think okay. I would like. There's a couple more things I would have really liked to have looked up to go into the story, but I will share it. But you need to understand with me sharing this one last story that it's just off the cuff. I don't have all the evidence on this. It was only a story in passing. But there was supposedly another story with two ships, smaller ships, not even like ships, but like four man crews. Excuse me, so a total of eight to ten guys that went out. They were supposed to be just enjoying the nice weather, and all of a sudden they encounter a situation they're in like smaller sailboats, like fishing boats, but pretty big. They had a mass and everything or the sail. But they hit a situation where they said that wind was hitting their sails from both directions. So they couldn't move because the wind was literally just like you know, and they'd never encountered this before. And the guy said he looked down at the water and it was completely calm. So even though there was this massive amount of wind taking place, the water was doing nothing. And he also said that in this moment, when this was happening, his the guy who is the captain of this particular boat he was on was up there at the mast, or I, I don't know what the stuff's called on a boat. I think it's the mast, right? Or he was at the head of the, no, the, the ma- ship, yeah, the, the helm. Is, yeah, the helm. The mast is just the thing that holds that part, the yeah, yeah. it's the, <laughs> the thing that holds the um, that holds the sails. One of the oh, sails. it holds sails. It'll let her blow. There she blows. <laughs> so, all right, we gotta put an MA rating on this one. All right. So, anyways, <laughs> yeah, um, anyways, back to the story. God's sake, I'm terrible telling these stories. So, 
he looks at the water. Captain's up there, and he starts to shiver. He notices that as he sits up, he's extremely cold. And and I forgot to mention at this time too, this was springtime, summertime, so like it was a nice day out. So the reason he went sailing was to like bask in the nice weather. All of a sudden, he's becoming freezing cold. He looks around, and his shipmates that he had seen up there, the the boat where he'd been at the helm of the ship, I think is what it's called, is uh, no longer there. And to his surprise, is standing next to him. And when he makes a comment to him about why aren't you steering or trying to steer. He makes a comment or reference back to him saying that I've been standing here for over 10 minutes or something like that. Timmy's like, I've been standing here for the last however long. He's like, no, you were just there. He's like, no, I've been standing here with you for like 10 to 15 minutes. So there's this disagreement on time. And then, and again, this is where I didn't get to hear. This was a story I heard in passing. But basically, some other weird things happen where like a guy appeared from one ship to the other or something like that. Anyways, they're literally twirling. Like the way their ships were moving, he said it was like a vortex. Like, they weren't going anywhere, but the water did not seem disturbed. And then they eventually get out of this thing. He said what felt like a lifetime. Well, I, I take that back. In the moment, I forgot about that. I, I said it wrong. It felt like nothing, but that's what was going on. These two ships are just circling each other, right? And, or, like, in a perfect formation or a clock formation. So they get back to shore somehow. <clears throat> and as they're getting back to shore, he said nobody's talking the whole way back. Like, the whole way back, nobody talked about it. Like, it hadn't happened. All they wanted to do was get home and go to bed. And nobody talks about it. As they landed their ships, he said that it felt like they'd only been out for about two hours, maybe. That's what he was roughing in his head. But when he tracked his his log, it had been over six and a half hours that they were out there. But he said he swears up and down that it was like two hours. So he goes to bed just thinking, whatever. He'll talk about it, but, you know, within the next day. Well, the next day, he brings it up, and, like, everybody just kind of blew it off like it didn't happen. And the farther they got removed from this instance, it got to the point where people, either they blocked it out or they just literally don't remember. He was the only one that remembered this happening. Now, you could have a case where some guy is just lying, but given the weird instances with this place, here's what I think. Oh, and the second part of the whole thing of saying what I don't have information on is, you ever heard of ley lines at all? No. So. The Bermuda Triangle is one of them. Like it basically, there's like these twelve locations on Earth. I think it is a connect, so you could draw a, a line where there's these energy patterns. So Bermuda Triangle, excuse me, Easter Head, a you know Easter Island, the pyramids, and like Morocco and different areas. Like there's different points on the Earth where there seems to be like you could draw these lines and there's, there's energy. I, I don't understand it all yet. I'm looking into it more, but I'd be interested to see if a ley line runs to this area, and. What I think's going on, if we're getting way out there, which we might as well, right? Might as well hang it all on the table here. Um, Welcome to the Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah. I really think that... I feel like there could be another, like, entry into uh, a parallel universe or time portal of some sort. Because take, for instance, the ice raining down. Like, that came out of nowhere in a clear sky. Again... We weren't there. We don't know the conditions, but that's the only thing that kind of makes sense is like your sky just started raining ice down on you. I mean, what other reasonable explanation are we, are we going to talk about there? Give. And then uh, what was the other instance that I was thinking? About? Oh, with the ship or with the aircraft. If these bodies were shredded, perhaps if we're dealing with people having missing time in this area, perhaps 
they hit like a, a pocket in time and that's why the plane was never found because the plane's wreckage ended up there and it shredded the people i i mean i don't know that, i mean that could be why it kept carrying them you had bodies that were never found by the the, the I, don't know, I mean that that part's kind of far-fetched but the whole him disappearing and then reappearing i have two thoughts on number one is it's a parallel universe or time portal that accesses somewhere else and that's where some of those ships that went missing that we never found again and then just reappear like the one that was 100 years later that they found or some that they just never found again but then the second thought that i had and this one's a little more out there and this is like skinwalker ranch kind of stuff is what if something possessed his body like what if there are actually alien civilization hiding under the water you think about it nasa said it all the time that we know more about space than we do our own oceans and great lakes right so what better place if you are this alien species and you're hiding out on Earth to hide yeah. than in the I mean, in a lot water. a lot of people would argue that some of the creatures we've actually seen in the ocean are aliens. Have you seen some of the creatures that are in the ocean? We have briefly talked like, about this before. Fuck? Yeah, there's <clears throat> there's there's things that don't quite make sense down there. Um, but I think in regards to the Michigan spot, if we have this weird little Stenho or Stenhoge, what in the world? Headstone. Um, I don't know what words I should say there. Stonehenge. The Stonehenge. If we have that going on, and there's some sort of, if you believe in some sort of a mythical thing, but if there's this alien species that could somehow maybe assume someone's form, like they're like basically use you as a host. I mean, what other explanations do we have for missing time? Did you have that? Did you get that other link I sent you to that? The same thing almost happened with the guy in New York. He was from Canada. He was like a, a firefighter and stuff. And he goes skiing. They're literally going down the slopes. He disappears. Ends up not coming down the slope with everybody else. And I'm paraphrasing this whole story. But basically, they can't find him. His wife files a missing report. They don't know what's going on. They're looking for the guy. And all of a sudden, he pops up. Five days later, he calls his wife from California. Still wearing his goggles. He has no idea what happened. He briefly, I think at one point in time, they did some like undercover like trying to get his knowledge back what's that called like the hypnotherapy like the re regression therapy he uh i think there was some sort of a brief moment where he said he thought he might have been in the back of a truck but other than that he has no idea what happened so he was on the mountain with his friends boom disappears oh and he was in freaking upstate new york and then all of a sudden popped up in california five days later i mean i i just wonder if there's something out there that can like access us as a human being where you could have these missed missed time and, it, and we without getting into all this there's a show you should watch called four one uh, the missing 411 the guy who kind of led the charge on us was a former police officer who it was a lead investigator on missing cases and this you should just watch it it's it's creepy because it has to do with like national parks and people going missing missing time clothes a lot of stuff like what we just talked about tonight don't have time to go into it tonight. Maybe we'll do it some other time. But the idea, that's the only thing I can think is that something, because he clearly was doing things, right? Like if he had these maps with him, that would indicate one, that either himself or whoever was around him, obviously we didn't have phones back then, so you would need a map, but he, he was clearly navigating something, right? And then they replaced his glasses for him. They gave him new sneakers. He ran a freaking marathon, possibly in wisconsin 
if this guy was missing and there was a nationwide hunt for him and they had private, multiple private investigators trying to find the guy, what are the chances he was at all these locations? What did he do for money? I'd like to know what he looked like, too. Like, did he have a beard? Like, what was his nails? What kind of condition was well, that in? I mean, it didn't necessarily say there was any type of national manhunt for him. Well, no, but, I mean, he there was, a, there was definitely a... There was at least a statewide hunt. Chicago was notified. That was another area because of the serial killer. There were... At least the tri-state was looking for him, at very least. What were the chances he got that far? Again, this was 79, a little bit different. You know, not like everybody had camera everywhere, but... You know what I mean? Like, I would really like to know what condition he was in, too. That part intrigues me. Like, what what was... Like, was he in good hygiene? Like, did it look like something had maintained him? Or was he just literally, like, freaking Grizzly Adams laying in the field, you know? Said, I think I'm done running. Turn to the people. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to go home thing. now. Yeah, I'm going to go home now. I think in my closing thoughts on this, something... Or someone, maybe a time traveler, came back, hosted this guy's body, and did some events, did some things. That's, that's, I don't even know if it's UFO related. Maybe it's military related, like you're saying. But come on. Like, I I just don't know what, I'm perplexed. The more you look into it, the more you have more questions and less answers. Because it leads into all these other cases and all this other stuff. So for me... And again, if someone else is listening to this and you know the story much better than I've done a job of describing tonight, please contact us. Let us know if we've said, you know, if I have shared any information that's incorrect so that we can correct. That's always a big focus of our show is that if we ever say something, and I'm sure we have or will, that's not correct or misleading, no, let us know. I'm more than happy to share the correct information with everybody on our page and our listeners. So, um, any last thoughts, Micah, or? Uh, No. But, I'm gonna uh, you know you're gonna take some time to look up the disappear. Michigan Triangle stuff now. <laughs> How do we not know about that? How is this like in our backyard? All uh, like growing I, I up with know. this and never heard of this. I don't know. But what I'm probably gonna do when I get off from here is I'm probably gonna go watch the next episode of Dagger King. Oh, so it I gets catch good. Up with it. Oh, it gets good. That's right. If you haven't checked out uh, the uh, Tiger King on Netflix there, you guys are going to want to do that. Do yourself a favor to eat. Freaking Carol Baskins. Oh, you, you're not far enough. You'll, you'll know. It's coming. Anyways, um, as always, guys, stay curious and keep it weird out there. Peace.